0: Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and
1: what you need to do. G'day, how are you?
0: Good, thanks Andrew. How are you?
1: (laughs) We're just doing a run through there and a slide came through. It's now time to back it, Andrew. No, it didn't. It didn't didn't come through.
0: in big flashing
1: (laughs) light because it's the
0: last Friday Workplace (laughs) Briefing for a while.
1: And Nina went out to buy Christmas hats. I know, first, and there's so none excited. around there's all the accounting friends bought them. <laughs> <laughs> Along with brown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so look, what we thought we might do <laughs> is go through a lot of things today. We want to do our top ten tips for next year as we looked about them. Nina and I were driving much of yesterday, and we all sort of came up, we both came up with the same things. I'm gonna go through closing the loop, what is and what isn't happening. That's a all over the place. It's a yeah. it's a mess. But also I just want to give people a warning for next year. With all this legislative change, don't reach for your wallet. Don't be spooked by lawyers sending out podcasts well, saying the world's going <laughs> the, okay. the LinkedIn I, I is think like, the oh. Law Institute just started a chicken little award for the lawyer who screams the worst about the terrible things that are going to happen. The truth as you go through is you'll see there's a few changes. Mostly the changes are in quite discreet ways. All of them are manageable organizationally. because yeah. this is really, as you'll see throughout the whole day, the changes that are coming through primarily move towards how you govern and manage. They're not high-risk stuff unless you continue to do what you're doing now and ignore it. But that doesn't mean hours and hours of training with a lawyer in a pinstripe suit with brushed back grey hair telling you the world's world. Like, what it does mean is understand what your responsibilities are and we'll talk about those and as we talk about things Rather than saying the sky's falling, we'll tell you what you need to do. <laughs> so look, let's first of all start going with the most recent passage of bills through on closing loops. So they're going through in two major tranches. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that's when they start.
0: No, that's the dun, 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 thing <laughs> a whole bunch has passed, but it's not actually in effect.
1: Yet. Yeah. So anyway, this is part of the fun that we have in the workplace law and keeps us busy. Small business redundancy. That really is looking at cases where redundancy payments wouldn't have been paid into smaller business or wouldn't be paid because of insolvency and that's been tightened up. It's sort of symbolic more than anything else because obviously if you bankrupt an insolvent, wages always have a priority but it makes redundancy part of that primacy of payment from whatever is left in an insolvent business and it means people who leverage down their employees to fall in the small business exception so there is no redundancy That fails as well. It's nonsense. Don't worry about None of you going insolvent. So forget about it.
0: It's really not going to help. If the business is insolvent, they don't have the money anyway.
1: Yeah. I think the labour hire ones are a much more interesting change that's going to happen, but they don't happen for a long time, do they?
0: Well, no. So you're able to now apply. So the day after Royal Assent, you can apply for what's called a regulated labour hire arrangement order.
1: Can I just say Royal Assent, just so people understand, when a bill passes parliament, it's not law, it then goes off to the Governor-General who gives it Royal Assent. That may be soon, it may be later. We don't know when that is. But from that moment on, the bill becomes law. So let's go back to...
0: Yeah. So which could be an order for any kind of things to have similar terms and conditions. The big one that everyone is looking for is an order for labour hire workers to get the same pay as local workers or yeah. host employer workers, but that doesn't come into effect until 1st of November 2024.
1: So that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it's passed. It'll become law before 2024 but hold everything. Yeah,
0: but the big one that people the want. The one that, that actually that's, matters. That <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's,
1: coming that's not coming for another law. 11 months.
0: Anyway.
1: Yeah. I, I Somehow I get a feeling that Burke, the Minister, is just, playing with us, don't you? I just get a feeling he's, he's
0: trying to balance everyone's
1: interest. <laughs> really, whatever he's doing, he's keeping us entertained. Then there's a change in delegates' rights, which means you're going to increase the level of prescriptive nature of rights that sit with union delegates inside business. Can I just say to you, good, you can put those in awards and there'll be award arguments around what they can do. You can certainly put them into price agreements. It'll be a new drive for unions to do that, to the extent that unions are relevant, What I want you to understand is be very careful as you're doing it that you're not doing something that prevents your capacity to direct people to do work. Because what we see on more contentious sites is union delegates saying, oh, Nina's raised a concern and they're not doing any work all day. So be very careful in this space. It's good to prescribe a cost like when training is on, do yeah. things like that, give it greater clarity, but don't give away your common law rights of direction.
0: Yeah, so the new, I think, rights mean that they've got not more power to inspect, to communicate with other employees and things like that, but you can build boundaries around how that's going to play that wouldn't stop you from giving them their rights as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, so the next one coming through is... Family domestic violence, violence.
0: and then closing the loop as
1: well. Yeah, and there's no surprises that that will become a protected attribute for the purpose of all, all legislation yeah. that sits around and so it should. And, look, I can't conceive an employee when someone comes into work with a blackened eye and says, look, I need time to go and see a counsellor saying no, yeah. but... If anyone's feeling that dumb, take a tablet and don't do it. That is the short answer.
0: I think the main area where this will get captured is where people have employees who are undergoing that and they're taking, say, excessive leave and things like that, or what they deem to be excessive leave. If you then take steps to terminate as a result, it is now a protected attribute and you would lose in a general protection
1: state. Yeah, so it's not about the amount of leave they get for domestic violence, it's the need to protect them yeah. in those circumstances. Are you
0: taking adverse action because of
1: that? Yeah. Just remember, like all discriminations, there comes a time where that may reach a level where the person is no longer able to do the inherent requirements for job. Please get some advice around. Then mm. don't, don't just get angry and irritable.
0: Yeah.
1: These people are going through terrible times. They actually deserve and need your support. But be wary. There, there will be people who misuse this process be structured in the way that you do it. The wage theft legislation, another one that's passed passed but hasn't passed. Oh,
0: yeah, it's passed. (laughs) So they're going to criminalise wage theft now in the Fair Work Act and also wage theft, that extends to the definition of superannuation too. Yeah. Just huge changes. But it's not coming in until January 2025.
1: For those who can't calculate, 13 <laughs> months away.
0: So. And then industrial manslaughter is the other big one. That is coming in the day after. In
1: for Com- yeah, for Commonwealth, related. Commonwealth yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a few other bits and pieces that are there.
0: Coming next year. Coming
1: next year. But let's wait and see. They're the major ones about the nature of employment contract, sham contracting. Most important in industrial sense the intracting bargain thing, which will provide... An inability to go beneath past agreement terms and yeah. conditions. I
0: don't think they know how that's going to work. Yeah, yet.
1: but look, the I definition think
0: of casuals as well. Yeah.
1: So yeah. there's some really interesting stuff, and as it comes up, we'll talk about it just like we have, probably not as flippantly because it's the last <laughs> program of the year, but can <laughs> give you some examples on how it works. Let's turn to the next major topic, I think, which My is... Next
0: case. The next
1: case. Well, the first case, which is... Big one. Yeah. Look, a big case, Nina, but the disappointing part about this is the regulator decided not to put their dentures in, and the court did the same, really. This is a pretty shocking case of bullying that went over a oh, protracted period of time. Two,
0: two years.
1: Yeah. kids, An apprentice suspended upside years. down on a crane and...
0: Yeah, and he was slapped by the manager, like, yeah. and it went viral. It was on the news and everything as well.
1: Yeah, they actually videoed it, which was true anyway, oh. the, the point about it is, was it the manager of or the organisation that got the 60 Grand Farm?
0: It was the manager, so yeah. it was – against the officer who was engaged in the behaviour, but they only charged him under primary duty breach of Section 21.
1: I think you remember earlier this year, we said there will be a number of charges that go over the next couple of years where officers who are operationally involved in the breach will be charged under primary duties. It's the thin end of the wedge because we'll see in the next two years, we'll talk about that later, but a growth in the nature of charges. But this is incredibly low punishment for an incredibly egregious behaviour we'll never see a case like this in Victoria again because, you know, Cafe Vamp, when you look at the history of cases in mm. Victoria, the fines are very substantial. This is a warning sign. It's the only thing I can say. I really don't um, get it, yeah. but it will be the last case like this we ever see. From now on, it will be much more serious.
0: Oh, definitely.
1: Let's jump to our next case, which is, uh, oh no, I think we're talking about... Um, the new
0: Australian Human Rights. Yeah, powers. powers.
1: I've seen some very worrying things coming out from lawyers on LinkedIn. Obviously, don't have a lot of work. <laughs> this is not going to have any impact on us at all because they have no money. They have no investigative, they've been given no budget for higher investigative work that's going to be done. Look, the power is substantial because they can issue notices for improvement, like yeah, improvement notices. Yeah, they can request
0: documents Yeah, they can make actually sure. they
1: the compensation it's, for the losses. They can yeah. do a lot of things, but can you just go to sleep at night and ignore the crap that's coming out? Because if you were doing what we've been talking about because of the new positive duty, this is not a worry. No. The governance stuff that sits around the most recent legislation is not hard to do and there's not hard to prevent the type of risk that people are saying the sky is falling on. And the chicken littles who are going on <laughs> about this one really need to slap across the chops because nothing will happen, okay? I, I reckon in the next year we'll see one or two cases where they've got involvement in a larger organisation which they want to make an example of, Yeah, but we're not going to see too much or really badly behave smaller organisation right. which they can easily go for. But they don't have the resources.
0: I think they said that. They said um, on LinkedIn that, look, they've got these powers and they're not looking to enforce it. They're giving people a little bit of a leeway. Well, they've got
1: a 12-month period where they can't. So yeah. they come in and they don't have any powers. They get them but then can't exercise them. They've got a gun with no bullets.
0: Yeah. So hopefully this will mean that people just focus on the positive duty and they don't have to use yeah. it.
1: And I, look, we keep coming back to it, but the answer here is governance. It's not fear. And people who talk about fear create reflexive responses which are foolish and expensive. It is not hard to manage an organisation through the lens of a positive duty and it is not expensive. yeah, but being reflexive and foolish undermines the relationships you have with employees, tells them they're bad, does everything that's wrong it rather
0: fix the problem it okay. doesn't
1: fix the problem. Okay, let's go on to Kuma, which is a this is the biting case. Can I okay. just say, this is one of my favourite cases of all time, a person being dismissed for biting someone but said it was consensual. Now, and the irony is... More he,
0: than once. Yeah,
1: well, the I irony think. was he was a chef. I mean, if you're going to bite someone, you should be a chef or a dentist, shouldn't you? Maybe you can talk a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> <Dentist>. <laughs> well, they bite people. Better. Oh, my gosh. They, they have good bites.
0: <laughs> so this was a... Yeah, you're right. It was a chef and he was dismissed for misconduct and he'd had several warnings, I think it was two written warnings and a verbal warning because he had done numerous things including biting other colleagues and stuff, which he claimed was consensual.
1: Yeah, because, by the way, just in case you wonder, most days I'm bitten when I'm at work and I love it.
0: But also the <laughs> hygiene reasons, you're in the
1: kitchen. Oh, oh, anyway. What do you think of hygiene? <laughs> <laughs> Did he cut his teeth before he bit me? That was a <laughs> I in the <laughs> <restaurant>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. They, it called, The end of the result was when he got into another argument with the head chef and he walked out mid-shift and they organised a meeting where they terminated him for that and he filed an unfair dismissal claim.
1: There's only two interesting things about this case. One is biting is never acceptable. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. But the really big thing is he said that the warning they said they gave him was never a warning and he was right because a warning must always have the words you know, be aware, any f- further Whether. conduct of this nature could lead to discipline consequences yeah. up to and including termination because unless you say the word termination and warn, it's not a warning at all. So very simple story about a case but a very important concept when you're dealing with warnings. Make sure those words appear because if they don't appear, it's counselling.
0: Yeah, so in the end the employer did win because they found that the biting was serious misconduct and that surprise, was enough to just termination. They said wipe that smile
1: <laughs> off your face.
0: Stop dribbling. <The> <laughs> Procedural deficiencies. But it is a reminder that if you're going to terminate someone, make sure you're hanging your hat on the most serious <laughs> conduct, you know? Don't focus it on like the smaller thing. Yeah, but stay with the big game. Yeah.
1: All right. Next one is my seemed to have got my brother's name and for some reason Anthony Douglas. <laughs> But this is a case where a manager managed people to do their job, and the five people involved were resistant and difficult and then claimed bullying.
0: They all filed stop bullying orders.
1: Yeah, and it's very simple. They found it was reasonable management. He was doing the job he was supposed to do. And yes, he did get upset when they would frustrate his process and they would be rude to him and not engage. But this is a great case like the original appellant respondent case that reminds you you can be quite robust in managing people. That's not bullying. It's mm. when you do something repeatedly that hurts, humiliates, or intimidates, is and as unreasonable in its nature and affects someone's safety at work. Here the directions all involved the doing of work they were required to do injuries, in a reasonable yeah. way.
0: So Yeah, and they found that look the tone and his manner and the words he said weren't inappropriate. It was it's okay, however, for managers to be frustrated and change their tone occasionally. And then that's still reasonable.
1: And for management. those who don't know, and parents too, that's not part of this. <laughs> Okay, let's go on to the major topic today, which is the 10 changes that we think are really big. And I want you to look at, as we have this discussion, think about what does that mean for the structure of governance inside an organisation? And what Nina and I want you to do is to go, well, use a risk-based methodology in looking and work, collect evidence that is appropriate and accurate Mm. in respect respect of those hazards and properly analyse the risk and invest within the culture to ensure the elimination or minimisation of that. And you'll notice that that nearly knocks out every single thing we talk about. So when we look at the more serious charges, we've said this repeatedly but it is now coming through. We're seeing multiple industrial manslaughter charges being charged yeah. and we're seeing fines and incarceration from oh, courts.
0: Heaps, like so, heaps money. Yeah,
1: so what we've seen is this escalation in charges from primary duty up to reckless endangerment industrial manslaughter. Remember, places like New South Wales and South Australia are getting industrial mm. manslaughter in the years year that come, Tasmania
0: the only despite, one that despite
1: being it. a penal colony, is not killing anyone. So there you go. But for everyone else, we're going to see some very serious charges laid where the regulator doesn't back away and where the courts are fearless about punishing. So we are going to see in 2024 people go to jail. Yeah. We are going to see fines in excess of $2 million. Yeah. We're going to see a very dramatic change in that. We're also seeing regulators, we gave a case today, Targeting officers, <laughs> we're going to see two things: one, much more serious charges for operational officers doing the breach.
0: Hopefully, but we're
1: going to start seeing, like we did two weeks ago, uh, where Scotting, who was the who was the judge, was happy to impose fines upon non-operational, non-operational. directors who ought to ought to have been involved. So, they are the two changes. We already have seen in Victoria and New South Wales the appointment of inspectors with psychological hazard training and expertise. We're starting to see regularly now throughout the Eastern Seaboard particularly psychological hazards being an issue of focus for the regulators, and that will spread throughout Australia very quickly. So we are going to see many more prosecutions commenced, but we're going to start seeing lots of improvement notices being issued in relation to psychological hazards, which is hard.
0: Yeah, it's not just... The stereotypical, you know, blue-collar industries where we're seeing the regulators previously focused, this is going affect every business and every industry because psychological hazards exist everywhere. Yeah,
1: and if, when you think about an organisation, I'm saying it's happened in Qantas and I fly with you, I still love you, even oh though you God. delayed my flight the other day. We're going to see organisations that have a strong white-collar and blue-collar environment Mm. where it bleeds into that white-collar environment. So where behaviours which are unfair or unreasonable but are hazards identifiable, we'll start to see improvement notice. Now, they're really hard because, A, they're an antecedent for prosecution because they are an admission of liability. Yeah, But they are also incredibly hard to get it lifted because you've got to demonstrate not only a change in system but in practice, easy for a physical change not so easy for psychological. We've already seen particularly through the education union but through other unions using psychological hazards as a method of entry. Yeah.
0: And, and, car- and
1: carrying government. out highly publicized bullshit investigations uh, yeah which are just nonsense. It's
0: just to build membership.
1: And funnily enough bleeding it to organisations like the Herald Sun who are happy to publish it which is so odd given Murdoch's political standing, but nonetheless, it's going to happen and it's going to happen a lot. So getting a grip on psychological hazards quickly, and we're going to spend a lot of time early in the new year with Nina, giving you a practical understanding of actually how to deal with it. But the most important thing to understand is unions don't have a lot of teeth which means they don't bite that hard anymore if we stay in the biting register but this is a way to let them back through the door so don't yeah do
0: and I think the biggest reason that they're able to do this is there's a lack of understanding and education because of all the stuff that's going in the media employees are thinking you know everything is bullying I and mean, they don't understand what psychological hazards are and the unions are saying no you can't be treated this way they can't do this to you and it's It's fear-mongering. Yeah, it is.
1: And, you know, when we talk about governance, which is actually identifying the evidence of hazards through the usual sources through HR, through Mm -hmm. these processes, you can actually identify where the risk areas are and start to move, but also educate people. Like when bullying first started being dealt with, that's not bullying. No. Bullying looks like this. This is what you say when you feel you're given too much work. This is what you say when you think you've got to give people the voice tools to actually manage it and then the problem just disappears.
0: Yeah and I think the fear is people think if they start educating employees on this they're going to get more claims but the reality is the moment you educate people and they identify issues then you can stop it from exacerbating and 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 you're not going to get those workers and and claims. And look at the
1: example when you look at psychological claims and workers compensation which are going up there's been no education out there, yeah. and so what we're seeing is people frightened, scared, angry and hurt for making claims. If we're actually engaging with people, giving them the tools to avoid conflict, you're not going to get the claims.
0: Or identify when they need help so they can get the support they need.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I think can we come back yeah. <laughs> Laura, 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 bring me back, <laughs> we're going to start seeing the use of hostile workforce as a pleading that is part of claims where when a plaintiff firm brings a claim against someone for sexual harassment... They are going to provide the evidence of all past misconduct towards Mm. women, generally in the organ, and they will call those women. And then
0: they can expand it to almost class actions. Yeah,
1: and that's right. And then you you get these massive aggravated damages that come with it. And remember, the claims are very high. So that's going to happen. We will start seeing a scorched earth based on a state and federal level for underpayments. So please do a review and audit to make sure you're not and then fix it. Workers' comp premiums are already going okay. through. Victoria up by 42% next year just on basic premium cost. But the increase in psychological claims will undoubtedly push premiums up very substantially. I think the day-to-day, you Nina, know, we see a decline in union participation in nearly every site except for key yeah. construction and key... I think
0: key, key 1% money. of industries are still having a lot of unions' involvement, and which is what we see in the news. But I think there definitely is a decline in they looking Oh, they employment.
1: are. Look, they're, uns- they're not as clever as they were... They're not engaged as they were before. They don't have anything to talk about because people are paid well, looked after well. So psychological has, I want you to realise unions are not your enemy. They're a third party. And if you lead well, they become irrelevant. And what we're seeing from our clients is Improvements in leadership, which are just isolating the union, they're representing three out of four hundred rather than three hundred. And it's
0: just day by day. Yeah, Mm.
1: and the last part is there will be a major change in privacy legislation, probably early next year, which aligns it with the Great Britain standards that exist. These these are very significant uh, changes, both in commercial and workplace law, which we'll talk more about as it moves towards it. But it means a very if there is something which Chicken Little isn't wrong about. These changes are very, very significant, particularly in relation to hacking risks and things which create liability, but we'll talk about it more next year. So, okay, let's go to the um, case, study. case study, the cleansed case study. <laughs> Thanks, Laura, Laura. Laura has purged my case study. It has no swearing it
0: <laughs> Angus owned a car distributor business for Toyota. Toyota was playing tough on the new distributorship agreement. He could lose everything unless he played his cards well. He was smart to avoid the flawed class action by other car dealers had better arguments as he was induced by Toyota on significant capital and operational expenses before the contractual review came through. He was also the most successful dealer in the region and farm machinery distributor agreements for a number of brands. Carol worked as the head of the service division. It is where they made their money. On any score, Carol was attractive, a city girl who moved to the country during COVID. Carol had spoken to Angus several times about the culture. The boys in service had a few saucy calendars on the walls. They made comments about Carol and other women about their looks. And on Friday drinks, they would occasionally cross the line with some of the younger women by saying flirtatious and sexualized comments. On each occasion that Carol raised it, she went out, spoke to them, told them to stop, and on the most recent occasion warned them of disciplinary measures. The problem was... Sorry,
1: that should have said Carol raised it with Angus and Angus went out. So that's my mistake. So her boss went out and told them.
0: Okay. The problem was the men in sales... Were, who were much worse on Friday the 1st of December Carol observed their top salesman Trev caress Carol's assistant Jenny's buttocks she brushed his hand away and laughed but turned bright red Carol walked up to Trev took him aside and read him the riot act he laughed tried to kiss her and make up and she slapped him across the face She told Angus and then took Jenny home, who was distressed. On Monday, Angus hauled Trev in and demanded he apologise. Trev said sure, went into Carol's room, said he was drunk, elated from a big week sale and behaved badly. He was sorry. She took him into Jenny's office and he did the same. For the next week, everywhere that Carol went, she felt the men ice her. No one said hello, they all ignored her and she heard one sale guy mutter to another. Frigid E-word. Carol felt Angus more (laughs) frustrated than angry. He sighed, said he was lost how to address it, as it had gone underground, but will arrange for his lawyers to run training. Carol was over it and started to look for other work. At the Christmas party, drinks flowed freely. Trev was making jokes at some mechanics when Carol walked past. As she came near the group, Trev reached out, gently guided her by her arm into the group and said the guys wanted to ask her something. She was reluctant, but found herself in the middle of a circle of men. Angus was nearby having a beer with a CFO. He was still tense from a difficult conversation with Toyota. Two of the mechanics started chatting to Carol, asking him why she came to the country to work. When Trev intervened and said, what they mean is why did you come here with your uptight city ideas and mess up our lives? The two mechanics said, yeah, such a waste of good a word.
1: She's <laughs> gone wild, her mate. firmly
0: on the buttocks. It's the whole thing here. Carol turned Trev, don't you ever touch me again, you freak. A huge cheer went up. She went. She left immediately, emailed he her resignation to Angus and sought psychological help.
1: All right. That was a big case study.
0: Yeah, very long.
1: It's been significantly reduced by Laura. I might add our sensor. <laughs> so who's in legal trouble there?
0: So Angus is in legal trouble. So is Trev. So, uh. Well, potentially the other employees as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, everyone's in trouble and they're in trouble on a whole range of stuff, aren't mm-hmm. they? And if we go to the second question, which sort of raises the safety issue, the company is in huge trouble.
0: Yeah, because they were aware of the behaviour and although they, Angus did some things, like he tried to stop it, he didn't discipline him about it, a trend, no, and, and there were obvious
1: controls that could yeah. have been done. So I think when we look at it, Angus is definitely in trouble, probably would be charged with reckless endangerment, yeah, and Trev definitely would be.
0: As reckless endangerment as well?
1: Mm. Mm. They would. The boys probably wouldn't breach Section Section 25 25 type duties, which is individual exercise, reasonable care not to prevent uh, injury. Is there
0: a good claim for damages around sexual harassment and victimisation? Who would be named? How would it be argued? And what would be? Well, there's definitely a victimisation claim for, what's the name of
1: the Yeah, for the the icing of her. There's absolutely no doubt. And, and then, then they
0: make comments to her as well.
1: Yeah, the retributive comments, the slap yeah. at the end. So, this is a this is a big, this is a yeah. very big damages claim because you've got a big lump of pain and suffering. She's been humiliated. So, the general damages part of it, yep. you're looking at something 150,000. And there's
0: clear sexual harassment on the basis of sex, and there's a hostile work environment. And
1: there's touching. Well. Yeah. So, yeah, 150 plus general damages could I be up to. It could be more. Yeah, it could be more. The damage that's been done, if it's significant, means they'd be both aggravated and special damages around loss of earning capacity. This is a million-dollar-plus claim.
0: Yeah, and probably she would succeed on vicarious liability as well.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, I guess what we want to do by giving you this problem was show this isn't – this is a bad example, but not uncommon – the process building up to the Christmas parties when things turn that extra step. But (laughs) But what Nina's raised is really important. All the evidence of past conduct goes to hostile environment. And when that comes before a judge, what the judge is going to say is, this is an incredibly dangerous place. Mm. I find it was a hostile workplace. And for that, I'm going to start my penalties. But then I find there is this Really bad behaviour led by leaders in the business. Yeah. Condoned by a leader mm. in the business. Yes, he was stressed, but he could have stopped it all. Yeah. So you've got, a, you've got a claim which is huge in damage, it is big in safety consequences, it's big. Okay. And then
0: once they establish the hostile work environment, Jenny and other women who felt sexually harassed can then bring their other claims because they've got that confirmation as well. That's right. Would Jenny have a workers' compensation claim and would Carol issue a obtain a certificate before resigning?
1: Now, Carol can even do it after. Yeah. So absolutely Jenny has a workers' comp claim and absolutely Carol has.
0: Yep. Does Carol have a <coughs> breach of contract claim as she earns more than the high income threshold?
1: Now The answer is yes.
0: What is the breach of contract?
1: Okay, so under a contract there is an implied duty to exercise reasonable care to prevent foreseeable harm.
0: Oh, so she's breached that. The so the negligence, Judy, so she's yeah.
1: both negligence and and contractual breach, she'd have a very substantial contractual breach.
0: Wow! So that's available to her to claim as well as everything else. Yeah, it is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Now the offsets for past workers' compay or any other thing would be reduced from it, but yes, she would.
0: Interesting. We'd not discuss that claim. Okay, so we're,
1: we're back. back. When are we back?
0: I think February. February. Sometime.
1: Have a lovely break. Yeah, We've enjoy loved Christmas. Having you along have board a great for new us. year. We couldn't find the caps, I'm sorry. I
0: know. See you later. See you in the new year.
1: Bye-bye.